Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm Dave Pash, voice of the Arizona Cardinals and ESPN play-by-play broadcaster. We are sponsored by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals and Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Man, what a win on Sunday. First of all, it was phenomenal just to be back in the stadium with fans. I'll never take for granted again being in a stadium live after calling the Cardinal games last year off of a monitor because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And how about the dominance? A complete game. Not a perfect game, but a complete game. And if Kyler Murray plays like that, I've said this all along, the sky's the limit. He's that good. The Cardinals can be a championship team if Kyler Murray continues to play like that. Now, he's not going to account for five touchdowns every week. But it wasn't just what he did on the field. It was his leadership. It was the intensity that we saw several times with him motioning and talking to his own guys on the sideline. Clearly, the Cardinals have surrounded Kyler with weapons on offense. And I believe that Rodney Hudson might be their best offensive weapon. You watch the tape. They didn't even get into the backfield against Rodney Hudson. In my opinion, the best center in the National Football League. Chandler Jones... Is there anything else that really needs to be said? Five sacks at a game, three in the first half. He completely controlled the game. And I'm really encouraged with what I saw from Isaiah Simmons. Played a great first game. And the young corners look like vets, in particular, Marco Wilson locking up Julio Jones. This week, it's the Vikings. You went from Derrick Henry, the leading rusher in the National Football League, each of the last two years, to the second leading rusher in 2020, Dalvin Cook who had a big fumble in week one that led to a loss against the Bengals in overtime. Let's see if the Cardinals can go 2-0, and it'll be great to have the Red Sea back at State Farm Stadium. As for our guest today, it is Scott Hansen, host of NFL Red Zone, and he also is a multidimensional broadcaster for NFL Network. He joined the network in 2006, and since 2009, he's hosted every single episode of NFL Red Zone. That's well more than 200 episodes and he goes all day long without a bathroom break maybe the most impressive part of scott's job we'll ask him about that and much more on the dave pash podcast scott you've been doing this for a long time i was reading up on the broadcasting history since you joined nfl network and i didn't realize that nfl red zone debuted in 2009 you've been doing over 200 episodes. That means that's 200 Sundays that you don't go to the bathroom at all. That's pretty impressive, man. <laughs> We're starting with the bladder integrity <laughs> portion of, of my career. That, 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 hey, you know what, Dave? It is the thing, for better or for worse, that I have become known for. I, I don't want to say famous or infamous. People can make their own determination there, but Everyone thinks they're the first person that's asked me about the bathroom thing. And I think it's because everyone can relate to it. People sit home and they watch NFL Red Zone for seven hours. And they got their snacks and their beverages. And invariably, nature calls and they get up. And they don't want to get up from the TV because not doing any commercials, the next great touchdown could be five seconds away. And so they don't want to go, but, you know, invariably the biological needs went out. They go to the restroom, they come back, and I'm still talking. And they go, wait a minute, when does Hanson go to the bathroom? And, yeah, the answer is I don't. And uh, thankfully, the streak is alive, and here we are in in season 13 of NFL Red Zone. Well, I want to get back into 
broadcasting and your job. But since we're on the subject, because first of all, I don't know how you do it as somebody, I know you're one year older than me, so I got a year to go before I hit 50, but <laughs> I can't go sometimes seven minutes without going to the bathroom. So how you do it for seven? So do you not drink coffee or anything? Do you have like a period of time leading up to the show where you have no liquids whatsoever? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It is about managing, you know, without getting too descriptive, input equals output. So it's managing my morning on Sunday morning leading up to the show. Uh, I don't drink coffee. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, for those who are listening right now, Dave and I go back. Oh, goodness. I mean, we go back to college. It's we been, go back to the yeah. early 90s. I know. It's you been know, almost 30 years, bro. 91 or 92, something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know if you knew that about me. I don't drink coffee. I, I don't need that caffeine to get me going. I'm naturally energetic and fired up, and I love my job. So uh, the coffee issue isn't isn't there for me. But I cut off all my liquids about, uh, what, what would it be? I eat breakfast at 6.45 a.m. on the dot every Sunday morning during the football season. And that's the last bit of liquids that I have. The show begins at 10, 10 a.m. Pacific. And 6.45 to 7, 7 a.m. would be the only time I would have anything. So three hours before the show, I, I cut off everything. I use the men's room twice in the last hour leading up to the show, and then it's uh, it's the willpower of a ninja after that <laughs> for seven straight hours. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, every halftime, football, basketball game, doesn't matter. I am sprinting for that restroom. So I don't know how wow, you do it. Yeah. I can't make it an hour. You're making it seven, bro. That's that's yeah, impressive. Yeah. All right, the enough. other thing is, as you know this as a broadcaster, is keeping your, your whistle wet, so to speak. You know, A lot of people will drink because they, they feel like to get the best out of their voice they need to constantly have liquids, you know, and, and whatnot. And, and that's the balance for me. It's not so much, oh, my gosh, I got to go, I got to go. It, it's not that. It's being able to, to project and broadcast while my mouth is quite dry. But I've just learned to live with it, and hopefully the hopefully it doesn't show up too bad on, on air. Do you do anything to warm up your voice or to protect your voice? I sometimes take the singer spray. I stopped oh. doing it recently, but I've used that before or just, you know, a lot of water. I didn't know if there was anything specific that you did. No, I don't. I, I, you have a fantastic voice. I've always been, been not jealous of your voice, but, but admirer of your voice. You've got great pipes. You use them so well. You, you're the type of broadcaster who I say the really, really good ones can hit the high notes. When when DeAndre Hopkins pulls down the Hail Mary pass, you are on your game, and a lot of people sound awkward when they're doing that, when their emotions lead to that. But your 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 instrument is so strong. I'm pretty blessed too. My dad had a great voice, and I inherited that from him. But there's no real exercises or training I do. I avoid really really cold liquids because that'll constrict the vocal cords a little bit. Um, you know, later in the in the season in December, if you're dealing with a, a cold or the flu or something like that, maybe some hot tea with honey and lemon. But other than that, it's just, hey, this is me and this is how I talk, and, and hopefully it projects well. Last one on the bladder, and then we'll get to the serious stuff. <laughs> okay. Is there a backup plan? Like, if you get a stomachache <laughs> or you have to go and you – I mean – Besides, like, a water bottle under the table, is yeah. there a backup plan? Is there another announcer standing by? 
There is no other announcer standing by for bladder considerations. Uh, if you really want the inside scoop, we do have people that are standing by at NFL Films headquarters. Now, I broadcast out of NFL Network or uh, NFL Los Angeles, they call it. In L.A., we have a brand-new facility at SoFi Stadium where the Rams and Chargers play. So that's where, where I broadcast out of. But, Lord forbid, but if we had an earthquake and electricity was knocked out in Los Angeles or whatever disaster or something that knocked us off the air, there is a crew standing by in New Jersey, uh, suburban New Jersey outside of Philadelphia, is where NFL Films headquarters is located and there is a pseudo backup team that is that is ready to go on should we get knocked off the air but no for bathroom breaks if i had to take one and it's not like i'm trying to be a hero if i had to take one they could they could say look at scott we'll find uh whatever the buccaneers are on on a drive right now we think tom brady's gonna get some first downs you got two minutes go ahead turn off your microphone run down the hall do your thing I could do that if I had to. It's just that I don't want to because I don't want to miss the next great touchdown. So, yeah, so that, that's, how we, that's how we manage things, and we've got a good system. And my infamous or famous streak, depending on your perspective, is, is still alive here. Who knew that back then when we were idiots at Syracuse drinking all that beer that it was just practice. The drinking and passing out was practice to hold it in <laughs> over an extended period of time. All right, let's uh, let's get serious here because I do want to get into your history because it's it's I don't know that a lot of people realize how you got into this business, what you were doing before you got into broadcasting, and then the multiple stops that you had. It's pretty amazing, and I've had a close up view of it being friends with you for three decades. Yeah. So I do want to yeah. get into that, but give me your thoughts on Week One. What stood out yeah. to you about the game Sunday? The Arizona Cardinals, and I'm not picking the low-hanging fruit just being with you right now, but the Arizona Cardinals' statement road win in the early window as well. You know, the whole time change, I'm a believer in that, that some some Pacific time teams have a hard time playing in that, that 10 a.m. body clock window. But, but all the things involved and what we expect out of the Tennessee Titans this year, whoo, Arizona statement. And then, of course, the New Orleans Saints pounding. I'll put actually I'll put that surprise in two categories: the New Orleans Saints looking as good as they did, and the Green Bay Packers looking as bad as they did. Because I don't think it was 100% New Orleans was just a steamroller, and we weren't aware of that, and they're going to do this to other teams. I don't think that's necessarily the case yet. Although I thought New Orleans looked better than what almost everyone anticipated, but the Green Bay Packers fell apart. They were just spitting up on themselves all throughout the game that was a shock that Aaron Rodgers couldn't write the ship and and you know couldn't even get in the end zone so uh that was a surprise the NFC West that I and everybody else predicted was going to be the strongest division in football this year who looks like that is going to be the case um yeah and other than that it was just great to be back the crowd noise was fantastic at all these stadiums and and the feel of real football being back uh, for the first time in what was over 250 days since the last full NFL Sunday, not non-playoff NFL Sunday, just felt good to be back. So do you have a producer in your ear constantly telling you Arizona, Tennessee, Red Zone, uh, New Orleans, Green Bay? Is somebody consistently giving you direction when you need to switch to another game? 
Yeah, well, yes and no. It's a little bit like the coach-to-quarterback communication system, how we operate on NFL Red Zone, except it's more of a two-way street because my producer, Brian Nettles, is in the, in the uh, control room watching all nine games in the early window. I'm standing in the studio four feet away from a wall of monitors watching all nine games, and we bounce things off of each other. We're like, okay, hey, we're on this Cardinals drive right now. It's uh, third and eight, and they're on the 50-yard line. If they don't get the first down, they're going to punt, so we'll, we'll get away and we'll go to a different game. You know, Dallas is close to the red zone right now. They're on the 26-yard line. Maybe we'll go to Dallas. But keep an eye on Seattle because they're in commercial break, and remember, they're first and goal from the eight when they come out of the two-minute warning timeout. So, like, we'll discuss all these things, and then whatever happens, okay, the Cardinals didn't get the first down. Yep, Cardinals are punting. You know what? Let's go to Dallas. They're close to the Reds. Wait, wait, wait. They just came out of break in, in Seattle. Let's go there right now. Russell Wilson first and goal from the eight. So we roll with it. It's like my producer will call plays in my ear, multiple plays, and then based on what I see, what we have on the air, we'll audible and go to wherever the action is hottest. It, it's absolutely fly by the seat of your pants, unscripted, we're reacting to what's going on in the NFL and trying to trying to spin as many plates and make it seem flawless or seamless at least uh, to the best of our ability. It's a it's a thrill ride, Dave. If you weren't busy on every NFL Sunday, I would have to have you out to the studio to see how we rock and roll. It, it, it's it's different than any other sports casting that I've ever been around. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I mean, obviously, doing you know play by play is entirely different doing studio work or hosting a radio show or podcast it's just the job you have is is so incredibly unique so you're sitting there watching all these games on Sunday and I assume the Cardinal game keeps catching your eye like when do you make the determination okay um man like Chandler Jones gets the forced fumble Corey Peters recovers it it's a touchdown but then it's overturned and now you're in the red zone it's first and goal so how do you guys handle that? Believe it or not, that one got us, as a matter of fact. That one caught us because we're trying to go bang, bang, bang from from stadium to stadium so quick. When you get something that looks like something at face value and then all of a sudden, whether it's a coaching challenger or or an automatic boots review that overturns it, we're like, wait a second, wait a second. And and what we'll do in those instances, if – we thought we saw a touchdown, like let's say a defensive touchdown in a game, but then the offense is back on the field. We're like, okay, wait a minute. You know what? Let's just go to what's happening live, and we will take whatever the first down play is, and then during that play, we're looking back at the video. Our, our folks in the replay area at NFL Red Zone will be looking back at it and saying, okay, yeah, you know what? It was a strip sack fumble with a recovery, but they didn't give him the touchdown. That's why the offense is on the field. And then before the 40-second play clock runs out, before second down for the Cardinals in this instance, then I'll interject and go, hey, here's how the Cardinals got the ball originally. Okay, Chandler Jones, strip sack fumble, recovery, touchdown originally, but they reviewed it down by contact, and so – this is why we're at second down for the Cardinals. It, it's um, I, I hope it sounds reasonable to people that are listening it, listening to it right now. I think it flows well when you have the audible when I'm giving audible instructions or a recap of what's going on, coupled with the visuals. It, it's it it, it um, 
Hopefully it's more coherent than what I just made it sound yeah. right there. Because people are, you know, we've got a sophisticated football audience, too. And people understand that, oh, okay, things might look one way at first blush. But, yeah, a replay overturned it. Or I saw that he was down by contact. So I understand where we're at. But we want to catch up as live as possible. Uh, 80, 90% of the stuff that we do is live. But when we can't catch something immediately, we have very, very skilled replay folks, and our production crew is, is the best in sports television for my money. And we can get something back and just say, hey, here's the context of why this team has the ball at this point right now. You've seen every great quarterback that, that's come into the NFL the last two decades. And look, you played football at Syracuse. We'll get into that a little bit yep. later. Not many people know that that you were on the football team, so you're around good quarterbacks. Syracuse was actually very good back then. Every year they were yeah. good back then. They had first round picks all over the place. Although sure. uh, Chandler Jones, you know, even though it was you know almost a decade ago, right, was a first round pick out of Syracuse. But yep. where does Kyler Murray do you think right now rank? If you had uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, most people are going to say one two. Is Kyler Murray? Is he climbing the list in your mind? Is he top five? Does he still have work to do? Does it depend on the team success? How, how do you think? You would rate him right now. Yeah, right now. Now, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and say, hey, a five total touchdown performance game out of Kyler stamps him as top three, top five just yet. This will be the season that we get to see him blossom into everything that people had hoped for. He had a nice season last year, and and, and people had already known about his physical gifts in terms of being able to evade rushers like very, very few quarterbacks uh, on a design pass play, I would still say Lamar Jackson's the best running quarterback in the NFL. But being able to evade pass rushers, I say it like this. I don't know how you you describe it. I he looks like a punt returner, scooting back and forth. You remember Dante Hall? Oh yeah, spectacular punt returner back in the day for the Kansas City Chiefs. He reminds me of Dante Hall when when the pocket collapses and he just decides to well. Scoot left, scoot right, step up, step back, roll out this way, roll out that way, juke somebody either to run or throw. He, guys can't get there. Not only can't they sack him, they can't get a hand on him. And, and maybe because of his stature, too, I, I, I think it looks like a guy who just caught a punt where the gunners and the, and the coverage team is trying to converge on him and nobody can touch him because he's that much quicker with everyone else. But the great thing about Kyler is, and, and he'll grow even this year, I believe. He was already very good at doing this, but I think he'll grow in this aspect of his game, is being able to do that while keeping his eyes downfield and not losing sight of his eligible receivers that makes him lethal, lethal with his decision-making. If he can evade pass rushers, know that, oh, it's third and eight, I can probably run for this first down with my speed and the angles that I see, but I can also still pick up D-Hop or somebody else downfield, 20 yards downfield, and just it's, it's like stopping to try, uh, trying to stop water with your fingers at that point. Forget about it. And, and – it would not surprise me at all if by the end of the year we are talking and, and universally talking about Kyler as a top five, top three quarterback in the NFL. The area that he needs to grow the most, and he's talked about this, is leadership and being consistent. Last year he had games mm -hmm. like week one, and in the middle mm -hmm. of the season after the Hail Mary against Buffalo, the Cardinals are 6-3. and three. Everybody's talking about Kyler as an MVP candidate. 
Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't play as well, the team doesn't play as well, they miss the playoffs. So obviously being consistent is key. And look, he does things. Patrick Mahomes, Scott, Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't know how you feel. He's the greatest football player I've ever seen. I've never seen mm. anybody that can do the mm. things that Patrick Mahomes can do. Now, there are some things that Kyler Murray can do that Mahomes can't. That you talked True. about the quickness, the, the quick feet. He's a better True. runner. Uh, now, will he ever, if he gets to that point, the Cardinals are going to be a Super Bowl contender every year. Do you think, and you talk, look, you work for NFL Network, you're talking to former players all the time, you're watching NFL games every week. The weapons that the Cardinals have surrounded him with, do you, do you feel like it's enough for him to help take that next step and get them to the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, like probably a lot of Cardinal fans, would say, show me the running game. Show me the running game as a legitimate running game, not just as like, oh, yeah, we we got to balance Kyler taking a shotgun snap and doing what Kyler does with a, a legitimate first and ten run for five yards to get you ahead of the sticks against the defense. Sh- show me that aspect of the game and then a complementary defense where that defense – Playing with the lead, and I'm not saying it's just about playing with the lead. A defense has to be good, whether it's 0-0 or 35 nothing. But playing with the lead where the other team feels stress on offense, that's some complimentary football. And, you know, we got to see it when the NFC West schedule kicks into play yeah. because I could, I could be talking to, uh, a, a, you know, a, a Rams or, or a Seahawks or the Niners fan base, and everyone has reason to think, we're the team to beat in the division. I mean, look, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Mathematically, we got to see how it could end up. All four of these teams can end up in the postseason. All four of these teams. And I would say in terms of the Cardinals' growth and the Cardinals' leap into uh, an elite status in in terms of a top 10 or maybe even a top 5 team in the NFL, is not so much about the growth of Kyler and the support staff around him, although obviously that all plays into it. It's how can they manage those division games that are coming up? Because those six games, even in a 17-game schedule, will determine, A, are they in the dance at the end, and B, do they get a home game at the end, or how far can they go uh, in the playoffs? Give me your thoughts on the Vikings, the Cardinals' Week 2 opponent. You obviously were paying close attention to the overtime loss against Cincinnati. I love Kirk Cousins as a guy, and I think he's a really good quarterback. But I don't know that he's a winning quarterback. I say that because he consistently puts up big numbers that entices you to give him the big contract because he's putting up these huge numbers. But he's not always winning big games. I don't know how you feel about him. Dalvin Cook clearly is an elite back and normally doesn't do what he did on Sunday where he fumbles the ball in a key situation. They lose the game. Are you buying the Vikings as a contender in the NFC North? I was uh, prior to yesterday, but you lose to a Bengals team, and the Bengals are much improved, more weapons, Burrow in the second year, and it was at Cincinnati. But but you lose to the Bengals, and the Packers are still probably the team to beat in that division, even though everybody everybody's 0-1 in the NFC North as you and I talk right now. Um, I I don't, I don't think they're a contender in the NFC. But prior to yesterday, I would have said, yeah, I think they could be. I think they could be a playoff team, but a contender to win the NFC, I'm not sure. On the Cousins angle of that, I would describe it this way. 
I'm not so sure you will win because of Kirk Cousins, but you can win with Kirk Cousins. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fair. I, that's he, fair. Yeah. He's not a he's not a, a Mahomesian talent or even a Kyler Murray who could put a team on his back. Um, and he can he can win games like where it's like, well, the reason we won the game was Kirk Cousins. He that can be individually. I don't think that's sustainable over a whole season. I don't think you will see that out of Kirk Cousins. But I think you can win with him. You don't. They aren't losing games because of Kirk Cousins, like exclusively. Like, oh, if they had a better quarterback, everything else, the infrastructure is there to be a contender in the NFC. So I, I think they've got they've got other issues. And man, they they just shot themselves in the foot and whatnot. You better hope you get that version of the Vikings because they they were yeah they were sloppy. They were sloppy, and they still could have won the game. It was an overtime loss. They still could have won the game. Um, I would say this, Kyler, D-Hop, the rest of the receivers, they ought to be licking their chops because the Vikings defense did not look as good as what a lot of people had projected going into the season. They can be had in, in medium to deep passing uh, pass patterns. They can be had in that area, and, and we've seen the Cardinals be able to uh, exploit teams that don't have that strength in the back half. So you already took us through a, a Sunday in the life of Scott Hansen. I'm curious, Scotty, what did you think when the opportunity was first presented to you? Do you remember how it went down when somebody came to you and said, hey, we want you to host this thing called NFL Red Zone where we're going to take viewers from game to game so they can see the best moments of a game and do it for seven straight hours on a Sunday because it's become a national phenomenon for football fans. Yeah, oh, I 100% remember it. Like I said, we're in season 13, but I, I still distinctly remember that time in, in my life and my career. And to be accurate about it, they didn't come to me at first. I went to them. I had heard a rumor in the summer of 2009, just office scuttlebutt, I was already working for NFL Network as a roving reporter. So they knew about me and I knew about them. And I had heard that, hey, you know what, we're going to start this channel up that's going to be every touchdown from every game, no commercials, both the early window and the late window, so seven hours, right? And I'm like thinking, are you kidding me? Now, I'll I'll add this as an aside. Our friend, our mutual friend and fellow Syracuse Orangeman, Andrew Siciliano, I don't know if if you have Andrew or you'll ever have him on on the podcast, but we both know him and, and respect him as a broadcaster so much. He had been doing what's called the Red Zone Channel over on DirecTV. Some people, I'm sure, that are listening are familiar with this, but yep. some people are always like, what? There's two of them? Yeah. What? They, there's the Red Zone Channel, very similar concept, but a different production, different studio, different host, different, different execution, but a similar concept had been running on DirecTV, exclusively on DirecTV, which it still uh, is broadcast on today. And so we borrowed some things from that when we started NFL Red Zone. But I, when I heard about the concept, I was like, this thing is going to be a galactic hit. Mm-hmm. If, if we can execute it the way that I think it can be executed. So I called them. I called my, my, one of my bosses, the talent coordinator at NFL Network, and said, who, is this true we're doing this? He said, yep. I said, who you got to host it? He's like, well, we're looking at some people. I said, is my name on the list? He said, yeah, your name is on the list. And he kind of he kind of chuckled a little bit because he knew my enthusiasm, passion, hopefully my knowledge of the game and thought it would be a good fit. And we did we did tryouts. We did auditions. 
And the average audition for television, give or take, usually is like 15 minutes. They, they put you up on, on their set. You know, you're trying to become the weekend sports guy in Denver, Colorado or whatever. And they put you up on set, want to see how you look, how you sound. Can you do some crosstalk with the, your, the co-hosts? And can you handle a teleprompter? All these type of things. But because stamina is part of the name of the game for Red Zone, the audition for NFL Red Zone was five hours long. And again, 15 minutes is, is for those who don't know. It's about the average. This thing was five hours. They ran one full set of three hours of, of games, and then they started a second set of games and went to halftime of those games. So it was five hours long. I was flop sweating through my suit. What they did was it was in the middle of the summer. There were no NFL games going on. So they took a random week from the, the season before and queued up eight games to the kickoff, pressed play on eight different machines at the same time and said, talk, go. Basically, I'm like trying to follow everything, trying to identify every player, trying to do all this right without the benefit of a computer handling like live scoring and everything else like that. And uh, I was nervous. I thought I either, I either got the hosting role because I put the best passion and energy and, and excitement into it that I could. I said, I either got the hosting role or I just set back my broadcasting career probably by five years <laughs> if I embarrassed myself with how I performed. But a couple of weeks later, after all the auditions were done and they auditioned a handful of would-be hosts, the executive producer, uh, Eric Weinberger, the executive producer at the time of NFL Network, called me up and said, hey, Scott, I want to offer you the hosting role of NFL Red Zone. And I, I was like, oh, that's great. I, you know, I'm, I can't wait. I'm going to tear the cover off the ball on this thing and whatnot. I said, so, Eric, so you watched the five-hour audition. And he goes, Scott, I watched the first 15 minutes, and I knew you were my guy. And <laughs> oh, come on. I said out loud, I said, I said, Oh, Eric, that's great, man. I appreciate it. But I remember thinking in my mind, why in the heck you had me do five hours and, and think that I was like falling on my face there. But all's well that ends well. And there's not a day that goes by where we don't hear from fans that NFL Red Zone has changed the way people watch football, which is very gratifying. Very gratifying. Scott, I remember when you were out of television, I think there were two different stints. One early on, you and I were at Syracuse about the same time, and then yep. we reconnected about a year out of college when I was working in Detroit, and you are from the area. So I think you yep. got out of television at that point and then got back in. And then I believe the last time you were at our house – you were, again, out of television and doing full-time mission work for Mother Teresa. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And then how did that lead to getting back into television? Yeah, so you might, you might joke that uh, my current boss is Roger Goodell. Uh, one of my previous employers was Mother Teresa while she was <laughs> alive here on this earth. Uh, yeah, boy, it's hard to encapsulate, but let me, let me try for a second. So I grew up. As a kid in, in Rochester, Michigan, suburb of Detroit, and football was everything to me. Football was just it. And I was convinced when I was eight years old I was going to be an NFL football player. And that was it. That was what I was going to do, right? Well, 
you know, you, you don't grow up to be 6'5", 250, running a four five forty. So those dreams start to diminish, even though I played football my whole life all the way through college. And I was a, I was a good high school player. And I could have gone to like Division three college probably and, and been, a, been a significant or contributing player like at a lower level. But when I knew I wasn't going to the NFL, I decided, you know what, those guys on TV sound like they're having a heck of a fun time calling the game. Maybe I can do that. So I researched, my dad and I researched schools and where could you get the best communications degree, Syracuse University, right? All the great sportscasters, Bob Costas, Dick Stockton, Marv Albert, Len Berman, Marty Glickman back in the day, Mike Tirico, Dave Pash, all the Iron Eagle, the, the, great, the great broadcasters that we have seen in years past and that we enjoy today got a Syracuse education. So I'm going there. And did well in school, you know, graduated with honors, walked on the football team, played there for four years. And you were an offensive lineman, right, Scott? You were an offensive lineman. Not exactly. Not exactly. I was a long snapper. So in that regard, I would line up on the line of scrimmage. You're an offensive lineman. (laughs) Well, no. What I ended up doing is, the way I can describe my college football career was this. Did you see the movie Rudy, right? Everybody's seen Rudy. I was Rudy without the glorified sack on my last game as a senior being carried off the field and under the, the, the shadow of the Golden Dome. Uh, I was a walk-on. I was a walk-on, and I was, I was a scrub, to be honest with you. I was a scout team player. A scrub by the standards of Syracuse at the time was a perennial top 25, you know, 10-win team each year, uh, upper, upper echelon at the time football program. And uh, but I loved it. I ate it up because I love the game. I love my teammates. I love my coaches. I love being a part of that. And and it was great. But I was at Syracuse to get the broadcasting degree that I ended up walking away with from from Syracuse and got into. And this is all I'm trying to encapsulate this. Like I said, it would be tough. And I apologize for going too long. But Dave, television and my TV career was everything to me. It was what was going to bring me my fulfillment in life. It was going to give me my hope for the future. It was going to be everything to me. You could almost put it like TV was my God. It was an idol that I looked at that I was like, that, that is what I want. I want to be the guy that people recognize when I walk into a steakhouse. I want all the girls to like me because I'm on TV. I want to be rich and famous and all of that. And I was, and I was obsessed with it, Dave obsessed with it as a as a teenager as a as a young man in my early 20s and at that time about mid-20s my life changed and without getting into all the details and all of that um some folks what i say right now will understand other folks will be like oh maybe roll their eyes and i get all of reactions but i had an epiphany an awakening a rebirth as a christian jesus christ changed my life in my mid-20s, and continues to to this day. And again, I won't go into the whole spiritual aspect of it and whatnot, but my, my whole life changed, and my priorities changed. And uh, there's an old hymn that says, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And not that I didn't care about television and sports casting and football, but it they they changed the perspective, the, the order in my life of those things became less. And 
my newfound faith was so fantastic and so wondrous and so amazing to me, I decided to leave television and explore and grow and serve as, as I, I left television and grow in my, in my faith. And so it ended up, I ended up with a group called the Missionaries of Charity, which was the group that Mother Teresa founded. Everyone's familiar with her reputation, you know, serving the poorest of the poor, the, the, the lost, the broken, the, the worst of the worst. And I lived and worked full time with a, with a group of uh, what they call them religious brothers uh, in the Catholic Church. It's it, they're kind of the male equivalent of a nun, basically. And I lived and worked with these guys as a volunteer and and served people, and it was amazing. Grew in my faith, and uh, to try and put a button on the story. After about a, a year away, and when I left TV, I didn't know if I would ever come back. Quite honestly, I was 25, 26 years old, and a lot of people in my family and in my my world had all different types of reactions to what, what I was going through. And even is Scott still in his right mind? You know, he was going to be this great future sportscaster, and he's saying, "No, I want to go and serve the poor and the homeless." You know, and um, I, I ultimately decided through a lot of prayer, a lot of uh, contemplation, that I had been pretty, I had been blessed with some gifts that I thought I could use to. to grow in my faith and glorify God in my faith, uh, through my faith, in, in my TV career. So I ended up getting back into television and uh, circuitous route, but ended up working for the NFL and now host one of the most watched and popular football shows in our, in our country. And we're international, so we, we, people that consume the NFL around the world, many of them are consuming it on NFL Red Zone. It's a, it's a kind of a crazy, remarkable story, but um, I'm so thankful and consider myself a very, very blessed man for the, the path that I've been down through now 50 years of life. Well, look, it, it is an incredible story. And as you know, if you call yourself a Christian, which you and I both do, whether you mm -hmm. are working for Mother Teresa, NFL Network, ESPN, the Arizona Cardinals, working for APS or SRP, your job is to serve other people. That That's our job, regardless. Mm. That's our vocation, regardless of what our job is. And I've always told people when people ask me, hey, who has had the biggest impact on me, uh, whether it's broadcasting or just in life? And Scott, your name is always mentioned because you've had a tremendous impact on me going back over the course of our 30 years, knowing each other, going back just from the beer drinking days at Syracuse to then seeing you a yeah. year later, like, what, what's happened to this guy? He's totally different. And then you sharing the gospel with me. You know, you've run with the bulls in Spain. You've climbed <laughs> Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. Yeah. You've hiked the yeah. Great Wall of China. You've gone uh, great white shark cage diving in yeah. various yeah. countries. diving with great white sharks, yeah. And yeah. continents. So if you were... An NFL player, I don't know that the owner would be okay with that. How, how does how does NFL Network feel about you doing these things? Uh, you, you know, I, that's a good question. Don't don't out me in that regard. I don't <laughs> well, want them to think that I'm out there, you know, like I'm violating some obscure clause in my contract here. But yeah, well, thankfully, I don't I don't I don't need to have uh, you know uh, ligaments, joints, and bones completely all aligned and, and perfected the way NFL football players do uh, to perform my duties, but. Yeah, I got bit by an adventure bug um, probably in my 30s or so. I'm like, this world is a wild, wide, wide, wild place, and I want to see some of it. Um, what, one aspect about my life that's different than yours is that, uh, you know, you have a wife and kids, and you've, you've gone the family route. 
I'm a very family oriented person, but I, I am not married. I don't have kids. So I've had some free time in the off season and some disposable income where I can say, you know what? I can spin a globe and, and uh, stick my finger on it wherever I land. Let's go to see a new country. And I try and do that in the summer when the NFL players are on vacation, June, early July, and I'll go and I'll pick a new country and I'll say, you know what, let me go serve some people there. I partner with a, a Christian ministry somewhere and, and say, hey, I'm going to come and serve. I, I, don't need, I don't need anything. Just help me, show me where there's need, and I'll come and serve folks there w- with whatever you've got. And then I'll do that for about a week. After that, I'll, I'll uh, go adventure for a week, and whether it's climbing a mountain or getting up close and personal with great white sharks or running with bulls or whatever. I've had some pretty good heart-pounding moments in my life, and, uh, and it, quite, it, it dovetails quite well with the, the television show Thrill Ride that I get to host right. every Sunday. Nothing beats holding your bladder for seven hours. Uh, go, <laughs> going going uh, great white shark caging in various continents and hiking the Great Wall of China and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, that's nothing compared to holding your bladder for seven hours. Before I get you out of here, let's. I just want to go back to football and talk big picture about the Cardinals because I think everybody after week one, the Cardinals are the talk of the NFL. You touched on that. Yeah. What, for, for the Arizona Cardinals to be a Super Bowl team, other than the obvious staying healthy, getting breaks, what do you think has to happen for the Cardinals? Because 2015 was the last time they were in contention. They lost to the Panthers in the NFC Championship game. The last time they were in the Super Bowl, you were just starting your gig with NFL Red Zone. What do you think has to happen for the Cardinals to be a Super Bowl contender? Well, okay, here, now I'm going to sound a little bit boring or maybe cliche in in what I'm about to say. To win in the NFL, you need to have excellent quarterback play, elite-level quarterback play, and and it, and it it you don't have to always that we have seen teams win with quarterbacks that haven't been top two or three, but that that's the thing that cures a lot of ills, and you need to take care of the football. You guys last year, I say you guys, uh, the, the Cardinals last year were a, if I remember, about a middle-of-the-pack takeaway giveaway team. In fact, what, I'm looking up right now. You know what you guys were plus-minus last year? Not don't mean to put don't mean to put the Cardinals guy in the spot here. Zero. Yeah. Cardinals were right in the middle. They, they were, you plus minus. You were zero. Now you get up into the double digits. Those are playoff teams. When you're plus ten, plus eleven, plus twelve, that's elite. You have to take care of the football. More important to not give it away than it is to take it away. But turnovers are going to happen. So if you're taking it away from the other team at, at, at a little higher clip than giving it away, that's a formula for success, right? And then it comes down to there will be two to three, on average, division games that are coin flip games going into the game, and they're coin flip games at the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. And someone out of those 22 on the field needs to make a play that is the difference between winning and losing. And coaches will tell you one play doesn't win or lose a game. Well, yes and no. Because there will be the way the engine, the way the NFL is engineered for parity, and every team legitimately has a shot. The Cardinals are going to find themselves in a game with the Rams, in a game with the Seahawks, in a game with the Niners, where it is tied up or a one-point game or whatever, 
and the team's, the team's going to have the ball with a chance to win the game. Do they do it or don't they do it? And I can't tell you. And you can't tell us, David. You know the Cardinals better than anyone. Yeah. But it's going to come down to that, right? Their roster is such where they will be in those games, in my opinion. And then, do they break through? Do they win more of those and lose more of those? And could they win the division, get the home game, which this year would be unbelievable, right, at, at down there in Glendale, and then make some noise. Because guess what? And even if they don't, even if they don't win the division, remember the reigning Super Bowl champions were a wild card team last year. Yep. The Buccaneers did not win the NFC South. So figure a way to get in the dance and then and then make a run. So that, that might sound cliche, but, but the cliches are true in that regard. Excellent quarterback play, take care of the football, win your division, and then let's see what happens in mid to late January. It's extremely hard to make the Super Bowl, but the formula to be a Super Bowl team is pretty simple, and you just outlined it. So great job, man. You, yeah. you, you nailed it. Hey, listen, man, I, you continue to inspire me with how you live your life, your faith, and how you do your work. Again, it's such a unique position in broadcasting. There's no other job like it. And I know you do a lot more things for NFL Network than just hosting Red Zone. But it is, it's near miraculous what, what you do, the energy you have, how you're able to do that every single week for five straight months. It's just it's fantastic. So appreciate you, Scott. Thanks again, man, for spending some time with us. Well, Dave, I, I wouldn't end a, an interview this way usually, but since we've known each other for, uh, well, half our lives, 25 years or so or more, I love you, brother. I love you, man, and all the best this season. Thanks a lot for having me on the podcast. Much success. Love you too, bro. Thanks, man. So great to catch up with Scott, somebody that I've known and respected and admired who's had such a big impact on my life in so many ways over the last three decades. His job in broadcasting is one of the most unique positions in this industry. And for many of you who spend your Sundays consuming NFL football, Scott is the voice and the face of NFL football for so many of you because of what he does as the host of NFL Red Zone, as well as being a multidimensional broadcaster for NFL Network going back to 2006. Uh, for more you can visit nfl.com slash red zone. I just thought the process, the mechanics that go into his Sunday, the preparation that he goes through to host, and then during those seven hours of commercial-free live programming, the conversations that go on between him and his producer, how he's constantly monitoring every game, making split decisions about which game do we go to, what do we risk missing, if we switch to another game and if we don't switch to another game if we stay in the game that we're currently on what are we missing then so it's just a interesting perspective on the nfl broadcasting world so very grateful scott could spend some time with us and not only talk about that but talk about the cardinals he believes like most of us do right the cardinals are going to go as far as kyler murray takes them everything else the defense, the kicker, the offensive line, all those things are important. But ultimately, we've learned over the last two decades that it's very rare that you're a Super Bowl team unless your quarterback is phenomenal. And if Kyler Murray plays like he did week one, I, I can't wait to see what the future holds for the Cardinals. We're sponsored on the Dave Pash Podcast by BetMGM. 
the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and Gila River Hotels and Casinos. You can keep up with us on Twitter, at PashPod, to get information on future guests and also relive some of the highlights from previous guests. Our thanks once again to Scott Hansen, and we'll talk to you next time on the Dave Pash Podcast.